listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Looking good, looking good. There's no one else like mom. There is no one else that can do the job like a mother. They are, they are superhuman. Never mind superheroes. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't understand it. Mums can see behind them. They've got eyes all around them. And they know what to say and what to do. Today our theme is have courage and being kind. We're taking that from the Cinderella. Cinderella is perhaps the all-time great story, the classic that so many people have acted out. They've written about it. There's so many movies that have been filmed about it. The greatest princess story ever. And it just seems like every year there's a new movie and there's a new slant that they've got on that old time classic great. But what is the story of Cinderella? The story is a young girl that in her early age, she was misfortune. She didn't have everything. She was put to the side. She was judged. She was, they were jealous of her beauty. They were jealous of the person that she was and everything that she had. So where do we find her at the beginning? With adversity. There's opposition to her life. There's a struggle that's going on in her life. And in the latest movie, the latest twist that they had, the beginning of the story is Cinderella with her mother. Her mother gets sick and her mother, as before she dies, she tells her these words, have courage and be kind. Have courage and be kind. In other words, no matter Cinderella what is ahead of you, and her mother didn't know, Cinderella didn't know, none of us know, what's ahead of our lives. But no matter what, that can still be the story of our life, that we can be courageous, that we can be godly, that we can be kind. But back to the original story, there's many twists and turns in the story. As I said, jealousy, there's envy. She's a threat because of her beauty and her strength. Now she's the servant. Now she's the one. The bell rings. She's running. She's having to take care of everyone else. And then when everyone else is invited to the palace, they're entering the palace. They've got their dresses on. They all look like princesses. The prince is looking for his new queen. They are all going. She's the one that's left dreaming about what could be. As after all, it's only a dream because it could never be her reality because look where I'm at. The reality seems so far out of reach and so far-fetched, but it sure felt good for her to dream about it. Can I just give you a, a, a little help today? Are you ready? Everyone in this house, are you ready? Don't lose your ability to dream. Don't ever lose your ability to dream. 
Because I'm telling you, fairy tales do come true. God can turn around situations. And we know in the story, magical things begin to happen. Everything changes in a moment. She's now dressed. She's now ready. The pumpkins turn into the carriages. She's on her way to the ball. She makes the grand appearance. She steps into the ball. She is noticed. Everything is going great. Until, ding, ding, ding. The clock strikes 12. Some of you guys are thinking, man, how does he know this story so good? Four girls. Come on now. Four girls. I've seen this one. So as she's trying to flee and she's running out, she turns back into her rags. Her carriage is gone. It's just a pumpkin. There's no horseman. There's no one to greet her. She just runs out. And as she runs, she trips on the steps, leaving a glass slipper. All hope is gone. All hope is gone. But may I remind you today, there was still a glass slipper. There was still a glass slipper because the prince, he finds that slipper because that's his one, that's his choice, that's his princess. And the prince searches the whole kingdom to find the one to whom the shoe fits. And he finds the one, Cinderella, and now she becomes his princess. Come on, say with me, have courage and be kind. Come on, have courage and be kind. That begins her life. Now through it all, she lives in her dream. Dreams now become reality. Wow, oh, that feels good. Oh, warm, fuzzy feelings. What a great, great story. But you know what? That reminds me of a Cinderella story in the Bible. I believe there's a story just like it in the Bible, and it's the story of Esther. Anyone ever heard the story of Esther? And I want to look at the story of Esther today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Esther chapter 2. We're going to begin in a few moments to read at verse 1. But there is a queen vacancy in the land. Queen Vashti has denied her husband. He asked her to come and present herself before him and all of his friends. And she denies it. King Ahasuerus, he's not very happy about that, so he banishes her from her position. No longer would she stand before him. No longer would she wear the crown. She has been taken from that position. So Esther 2, verse 1 and 4, talks about the vacancy that needed to be filled. And it said, after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided. He remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed against her. In other words, he remembered, man, I'm lonely. I need someone. I need a queen. I need someone to be with me. Then the king's servants and attendants said to him, let all the beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king throw a ball. Let him invite all the princesses of the realm to come together. And the king appointed officers in all the province of the kingdoms that they may gather all the beautiful virgins to Shusan, which is Susa, the citadel or the palace, into which was the woman's quarters under the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the woman, and let beauty preparations be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be the queen Instead of Vashti, this thing pleased the king and he did so. He made a decree. They gathered up all the young ladies, each one, and they brought them to be prepared 
to have a night with the king. Let's read on. In his kingdom was a beautiful young girl called Esther, a.k.a. Cinderella. Look, verse 7. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. She had neither father nor mother. She was an orphan. Isn't it amazing? The first mention we see of Esther is identifying that the fact that she's come through pain in her life, She's been left alone by those closest and nearest and dearest to her life. But what does the Bible say about her? The Bible doesn't say poor, pitiful her. The Bible doesn't say as a result she suffered in her life. What is the first mention really we see of Esther? The Bible says she was lovely and she was beautiful. I'm telling you right now, no matter where you're at in life, no matter as they say what hand has been dealt to you, In any situation, in any place, you need to hold your head up high and you need to be the lovely and beautiful queen that God made you to be. Turn to your neighbor to say, the story isn't ended yet. Come on, the story's not over yet. It's just beginning. It reads on to say that when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her in as her own daughters. What we don't know about Mordecai too, and I'm trying to paint a picture and help me as I go through this. Mordecai and his family came through bondage too. They were in what's known as the Babylonian captivity. They were taken from their homelands. They were persecuted. They had nothing So she comes from nothing. She's lost everything. She comes to a family that has nothing, that's been persecuted. But what do they do? Instead of being bitter about the lemons that have been dealt to them, they've added some sugar and they've made lemonade. They've turned around the situations of their life and they've realized this is not going to be my identity. This is not going to be my destiny. Come on, I'm preaching to someone in this house today. I'm going to take what is out of my control and I'm going to do what is in my control to make a change. So Esther, her family, opposition, attack, adversity, pain. But yet we still find them trusting in God. Then Esther is taken, verse 8, and so it was when the king's command and decree was heard and when many young women were gathered at Susa or Sukkoth the palace under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the woman. Picture this, the uncertainty of the moment. Picture the uncertainty. One day there's a knock on the door and says, hey, you, you're coming with us. Well, hold on a second. Let me, let me just say bye to my friend. No, no, you're coming with us. There's an order right now for the king. Well, let me pack my bags. No, you don't need that. You've got to come right now. Wow, what an uncertainty there must have been. Because she wasn't the only one. She was one of many. She did not know that she would be the choice. She was one of many. And listen to me. If the king did not choose her for the rest of her life, she would be on her own. That's what you've got to realize. For the rest of her life, she would never have anyone because she would be kept like all the girls that weren't chosen. She would be kept in the king's house. Oh, they would be provided for and taken care of, but they would never have a relationship of love, knowing a husband and wife bond and a relationship together. So such uncertainty. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I've got a sneaking suspicion. That just as they were taking Esther out of the door, that Mordecai said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me five seconds. And he took Esther 
along with Mrs. Mordecai. And they looked into Esther's eyes and they said, whatever you do, have courage. Be kind. And never forget God. I just really believe that that's what they said to her. Have courage. Be kind. Do not forget that God is with you. And it's amazing. Straight away, straight off the bat, what do we see? Verse 9, it talks about now the young woman, Esther, pleased him. Who? Pleased the one in charge. And she obtained great favor. What did that mean for Esther? She got more facials than everyone else. Anyone enjoy those, those massages yesterday at the single mothers? Anyone enjoy all that? She, she got twice as much as everyone else. She got extra food, extra portions. She was in the penthouse suite. She got all the treatment and she's not understanding and knowing why, but God has a plan for her life. But notice verse 10, very important. But Esther was a Jew. Esther was a Jew. What does that mean? She didn't belong there. Because the Jewish nation, the race, was regarded as downcast. They, they were despised. They were persecuted. She shouldn't have been the one that was to be the next queen. Because she wasn't a contender in man's eyes for the throne. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter what man may say belongs to you. It doesn't matter what man says is your destiny and your future. There's a God that reigns higher than anything that man may try to silence. But in it all, what have you got to remember? Never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. Because through this story, time and time again, we see that she never let go of her faith in God. Maybe you may say, well, that's too late. I've already let go of that. Listen, today is a great opportunity to grab a hold of it again. It is never too late with God. And that was the key point to her success, that she never let go of God. So she, along with all the other ladies of that kingdom, went through 12 months of preparation. They were literally pickled in all these oils and all these spices. And they were all prepared for 12 months for one night. One night with the king. And finally, it's her turn. Verse 15. Now when the turn came for Esther. Now when the turn came from Esther. Let me say that again. Now, when the turn came for Esther, it had been quite a process. Not only 12 months of preparation, but Lord knows how many other months had taken place while other ladies had been taken. I don't know if they went alphabetically. If they did, maybe Esther was towards the beginning. But I don't know how they chose them, who would go. But it was quite a process for her. I believe there's truths that we need to see here because for many of us, it's taking a long time to get to this moment. But the moment's here. How would she act? What would she do? Notice, read on, it said, and she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the woman, advised. Think about this. The king had a moment with this person. That person had the opportunity. There was an open checkbook. They could have bought any outfit they wanted. 
They could have presented themselves in any way. They could have rode in in a Lamborghini if they wanted. Nothing was off the charts. They could have done whatever they wanted to do. They could have hired a circus and they could have been the center clown. There was no thing, there was nothing, no fund was out of reach. Anything and everything was available to them. And Esther had the choice like everyone else. But what did she choose? She chose what she knew the king would like. And the Bible says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Notice, all who saw her. She didn't just obtain favor with the king. But everyone around looked and said, That's the choice. That's the one. Every head turned as Esther went. Even the critics on the red carpet who were talking about the outfits and what's going on. Come on, Joan Rivers and all those people are sitting there. They're all going through. Wow, look at that. Wow, look at where she thinks she... They all were silenced because every one of them knew she was the one. A God moment takes place. Let me say that again. A God moment takes place. That needs to be a part of every one of our stories. It has to be. There has to be a God moment for every one of our lives that takes us from our rags and our poverty and places us to a place of position as a queen, as a leader. There has to be a God moment that takes us from where we were and where we are to the place where God wants us to be to the place of the king's favor. So often we don't trust God. So often we don't have patience. So often we want to resort back to our old behavioral patterns that got us into our trouble in the first place. And in the process of all of this, the enemy comes and he bombards our minds and he tells us these lines. He convinces us we don't belong here anyway. Who do you think you are? I really haven't said anything about him up to now, but we've heard his name many times. Hegei, the one in charge. The one who was over the woman. Listen to me. The one in charge is a type of the Holy Spirit. Because when Esther went in to please the king, she asked Hegei, what is it that would please the king? It's a type of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in our lives knows what will make our lives pleasing to the king. That's why every day we need to yield our lives and say, Holy Spirit, will you lead me and guide me? Because what does the Bible say in John 16, 13? He says, He is the one who will guide you into all truth. He's the one that will lead you into all truth. He's the one that will never steer you wrong. When Jesus left this earth, He didn't leave us alone. He sent His Holy Spirit that would lead us and guide us. Every day, we need the guiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, as moms, we're raising our children. We need the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and guidance and strength and ability to help us. And it's not some mystical thing. It's not some freaky thing. He's real. He is the person of the Godhead. He is Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So she's now the king's choice. The search is ended. The slipper fits. It's Queen Esther. And they lived happily ever after. Only in fairy tales, I'm afraid. Because it wasn't a happy ever after. There were still struggles. There were still twists. And there 
are still turns. And I don't have time to tell her whole story, but I encourage you reading. I know Kelly, this is one of her favorite books to read. The book of Esther, 10 chapters. It's an easy read for you this week. Read through the whole story of Esther. But I do want to focus in on just one particular portion that another man raises up. His name is Haman. Haman, he's known as the one. He's appointed over all the princes. He has a high ranking. Haman hates Esther's uncle, Mordecai, the one that raised Esther, the one that gave her the right instruction. He hates Mordecai to the point that he doesn't only want to kill Mordecai, he wants to kill all of his people, the Jewish people. Remember, Esther's a Jew. He wants to kill every one of them. So Esther, the queen, is now called in to help. And here's the moment her courage would really be tested. Because it's easy to say having courage, but it's another thing to act upon that courage. And be courageous. And her her uncle instructs her. He gets words to her. He says, you're the only one that can intervene. You've got to use your position to not only save your life, but the life of your entire people, the Jewish nation. But Esther realizes something. If I go before the king unannounced, I'll be like any other person and I'll die. Because what you've got to realize is back then, if you walked into the presence of the king and he didn't invite you in, you would die. There was one hope and that was that he would stretch his golden scepter out. If he stretched his golden scepter out, then you were permitted to come and kiss that scepter and tell him or speak to him. But if he did not move, it doesn't matter who you were. And Esther knew this. She'd probably seen this. She'd probably seen people run into his presence and see them killed because they weren't invited in. She knew that even with her beauty and her splendor, she still had to have the favor of the king. It wasn't an easy decision for her to make. And Mordecai reminds Esther of these words. Are you ready? Esther 4, verse 14. And the Bible says, the last sentence says, Yet who knows? whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai is telling Esther, this is your time. This is your moment. Come on, I've come to tell you today, this is your time. This is your moment. This is your situation. However, we get to where we're at right now. This is our moment to make a difference right where you are at. Maybe you're not where you want to be today. We could talk about that for a bit, but you know that. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe things aren't all falling in place. Maybe you're broken hearted today. In the celebration of Mother's Day, your heart is broken. Maybe you're not where you want to. This isn't what I thought it was supposed to be. This isn't what I planned. This isn't what I scripted. I thought it would be different. Maybe not where you want to be, but it's where you are. So what now? What now? What are you going to do? Are you going to cry? Are you going to lick your wounds? Are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to rise up like the queen that you are and say, this is my moment. This is my time. This is it. This is what I've been living for. This is maybe what I've been created for. I'm going to take it back. 
Why is it your time? Can I tell you why it's your time? Man, I'm getting excited. I'm about to leave this platform. You know why it's your time? Because man hasn't called you, but God has. God's called you. God's called you. And now it's time to accept that calling. Can I let you into a secret? The stories that we're telling today, they're not Cinderella's story. They're not Esther's story. It's your story. This is your story. This is your story. This is the new chapter of your life and your story. Listen to me. You're the star of all of this. It's pretty interesting when I looked at the word Esther. You know what Esther means? Star. Come on, you're the star. You're the one that God is looking to. You're quick looking over your shoulder and think that someone's looking beyond you. God's looking at you today. It's your time. It's your moment. Again, maybe it hasn't gone as planned along the way. There's bumps and bruises, knocks and scrapes. There's skeletons in the closet. Anyone know? And it's a walk-in closet. You know what I'm talking about? So many skeletons. It's a walk-in closet. So many things that you're ashamed of and mistakes that you've made. But right now, you're in a position to do something about it. You're in a position to make a difference. And yes, I am talking to you. To you. To you. Esther was willing to lay down everything. She was willing to put it all on the line. Her life, her future, everything. She wasn't going to hide any longer. She wasn't going to stay back any longer. She was going to step into everything that God had for her. Look what Esther says in Esther 4, 16. She says, go and gather all the Jews that are in Susan. Fast for me three days and I will do the same. And it goes on to say, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, if I die, if it's over, then hey, it's over. If I perish, I perish. Listen to me, I don't want to spoil the story, but she didn't perish. King stretched out his scepter. She found favor again. Come on. And now she was given the opportunity to come up with a new plan. Come on, she was given the opportunity to not only save her people, but the one who tried to destroy them. He was hung in the own gallows that he, he, he created to hang Mordecai. He was hung on his own gallows that he made. I'm telling you, the enemy may come before you one ways, but he's going to have to flee before you seven ways. Come on, now she had a new plan. She was given charge. It's time we take back charge of our lives. And realize outside of living according to the plan and purpose of God, I might as well die because I'm never going to have that life. That's why here we preach life, love, purpose. Because there's no life outside of Jesus. And there's no love until you know love. And then you can't walk in your purpose if you're not living the life and you're not understanding the love of God. I wonder how many times Esther wanted to give up along the way. I wonder how many times in the first 12 months she said, this is pathetic. Why am I going through all this? I'm never going to be chosen anyway. Because she's comparing herself. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You're always comparing yourselves. 
Come on, one of the favorite conversations that you hear in houses is this. Wives asking, how good do I look? Do I look better than her? Kelly's not too bad at this, but I've seen other people say this. Do I look better than her? Come on, ladies, you put us in a spot that we can't be truthful. Because no matter what we say, we're going to be wrong. Oh, you're just saying that. You don't really mean that. Help us out, ladies. Don't ask those loaded questions. Do I look fat in this dress? No, you look hot in that dress. You're just lying. You're just saying that because you know that I do look fat. And that's why you didn't tell me. I'll look. Come on, help us out. Come on, guys. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on, all the men in the house, put your hands up and say, praise you, Jesus. Hook a brother up. Help us, pastor. Help us. Preach, pastor. Hey. Come on. Come on. So be it. Steve's in the house. Honk that horn, Steve. Come on, give us a honk. There you go. There you go. But I wonder how many times Esther wanted to quit along the way. Even as a queen. Having another moment, she probably thought, well, I can't do this and I'm going to lose my life. So all of this was in vain. I wonder how many times you've told yourself, maybe even since you woke up this morning, I don't even know why I'm going to church today. I don't know why I'm even dressing up because it doesn't matter anyway. I don't matter. I don't feel good. Maybe your kids were really rough today. Maybe your kids were really cranky today. And you thought to yourself, man, this is what Mother's Day is all about. It just didn't start good. We all have a story. My queen has a story. My queen Kelly, a a number of years ago, was widowed with three children. That's not an easy thing to be. When you've got three young children that are looking back at you and you lose a husband in his prime of life. Everything was going to plan. Everything was falling into place. But one thing I can say about Kelly is this. She never lost hope. She never lost her faith. She never doubted God. She never questioned God. Oh, yes, it was rough. It was tough. It was heart. There was heartbreak. Is it still painful? Sometimes. Because you remember those things. You carry those things. We're human. They touch us. They reach to us. But despite it all, she never lost hope. She never lost faith. In fact, that was the one of the things that drew me to her. Because I remembered her in the situation and the circumstances around her family. Or Jason, her husband's family, used to come to this church. So I knew them as a family. I didn't really know them particularly. But I knew them generally as a family. And, and, and so I would call periodically and I would just say, how are you doing? We're praying for you. She started attending the church. I would try and find her and say, how are you doing? Because we had care and compassion. But every time when I was trying to give strength to her, she gave strength to me. Absolutely amazing. And her story went like this. She found her prince. (laughs) She's now living the dream. No, it's me that's living the dream. It's me that gets to live the dream every day with her. And she's my fairy tale and don't ever wake me up. Life goes on and sometimes it's cruel when you're hurting and you're left. And you feel like no one knows what you're really going through. Life goes on. Life can be cruel like that. It's cruel but it's also good. Because we have to pick up and we have to move on. And I want to quickly today, I want to give you four truths I think that are going to really help you in your story. Four truths that are going to help you in your life. Is that okay? 
Four truths that will help you realize. Look at this next thought. Your life can make a difference. Your life can make a difference. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to start making it count. Maybe we've messed up. That's okay. What about today? Make it count. From today on, have courage. And be kind. Smile. Enjoy life. Because it's time to regain and take back the territory that the enemy has stolen from you. Maybe one inch at a time, but we're going to take it back. Piece by piece. One decision at a time. One day at a time. And maybe not even a day at a time. Maybe you need to start with an hour at a time. But we're going to take it back what is rightfully ours. I love this scripture, Galatians 6 verse 9. I think somewhere in your house you need to have this written. If it's on your fridge, if it's somewhere. I think you need to memorize this scripture. I think this is one of those scriptures that you need to go to probably at least once a day. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Let's not grow weary while doing laundry, while doing dishes, while packing lunches, while being puked over. While feeling like a taxi cab and being stretched between soccer practice and piano practices and and every which way. Let's never grow weary while being a mum. Can we just personalize that for our mums today? For in due season, we're going to reap if we don't lose heart, if we don't quit. So you ready? Here's your four points. Number one, you've got to go through it. You have got to go through it. Pastor Philip, you couldn't start a little bit more positive? Hey, listen, this is good stuff. You need to hear this because I would be lying telling you that you can go around it. I would be lying to tell you that you're going to be able to bypass problems. There's no shortcuts to the throne. Turn and tell someone. Come on, there's no shortcuts. Sometimes it feels like we've got to go the long way around, but we're going to go through this. Come on, Isaiah 43 verse 2 and 3 says, When you pass Through the waters. Notice it doesn't tell us how we got there. Maybe it was our stupidity that put us there. Maybe someone else was the cause of us being there. The Bible doesn't tell us how we got there because that's not the point of the story. We're there. We're there. We're there. When we will pass through the waters, God says, but even no matter what, I am with you. Come on, you need to hear that today. I am with you. Come on, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, doesn't tell us how we got there, doesn't tell us how hot it is, but it tells us what? Come on, you shall not be burnt, the flame shall not scorch you. Why? For I am the Lord your God. I told myself I was going to behave myself today. I dressed up to feel proper today, and I'm still, I'm about ready to take this tie off and Bust out in this place. Because God, the Holy One of Israel, said, I am your Savior. I love that. doesn't matter how you got there. God says, I'm your Savior. I'm your salvation. I'm your forgiveness. I'm your grace. I am your way of escape. I love it when God says, I am. Why? Just put what you need God to be for your life. If you need peace, He says, I am peace. If you need strength, I am strength. Come on, I am is a limitless God that can meet every need in your life. You're going to have to go through it. You're going to have to go through it. Psalms 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Turn to your neighbor and say it's a through walk. 
Come on, don't judge me on today. Don't judge me where I'm at. I'm, I'm coming through. I'm coming through. This is my time. This is my Come on, high five someone. Say, this is my time. This is my time. This is my time. This is my time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. Not because my husband's there, or my kids are there, or my pastor is there, but because God is there with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Are you ready? Here's a key thought. It's not on the screen, so you need to write it down. Are you ready? The palace isn't your escape. But it's your position of influence. Come on, it's not your escape. It doesn't mean you're going to get out of jail and there's never going to be no problems. But it's your place of influence. Meaning what? Because of the place that God has placed you, God now can use you to influence those around you. Truth number two, are you ready? It's your choice to make. You've got to make the choice. I wish I could make the choice for everyone. I, I really would, because if I could, I would. I would have already done that. I can't choose for you what you're going to believe. I can't choose for you what you're going to say tomorrow or today. I can't choose for you for your future. But one thing I can tell you is this. Don't focus on what you can't change. Focus on what's in your power to change. Come on, Joshua said, I don't know what's going out there, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Make the choices for what you can do right now. Take it back piece by piece, inch by inch. I'm regaining that. I love this scripture, Deuteronomy 30, 19. God says these words, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death. Say with me a choice. There's a choice. There's a life and death choice. Blessing, which is life, and cursing, which is death. And then it's like God says, man, I would love him to be my teacher at school because he's given a test and then given the answer. He says, therefore, choose life that both you and your kids, you and those who follow after you will live. Come on, he gives us a choice, but then God gives us the answer. Along with the promise. I love that. He gives us an answer of a promise. That when we choose his way, which is life, say with me, life. It's not only for us, but it's for our children. And it's not only for our children, it's for our children's children. Why? Because God is a multi, come on, generational God. Every time it speaks of Him, it speaks of Him as the God of Abraham, as the God of Isaac, and the God of... He's a three-dimensional God. So it's not only for you, it's for your kids. Get it right, even for your kids, so they can follow you. Every day we're bombarded with thousands of thoughts, choices, and opportunities. We've got to choose the right way. We've got to choose. You've got to choose. Proverbs 18, 21 presents it to us again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the choices that you make for your life. And the Bible says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you're going to eat life or you're going to eat death. 
You're going to eat the fruit of the words that you say. Come on, you've got to choose right. You've got to make the choice. I can't make it for you. You've got to start choosing every day. You've got to say, God, I'm choosing life today. It doesn't matter what it may look like. It doesn't matter what may happen. The coffee may spill all the way over me on the way to the office. I'm still choosing life. The boss may say, I need to talk to you at 2 o'clock. I'm still choosing life. The doctor may call up and say, there's a little spot on the scan. It's not looking good. I'm still choosing life. You've got to choose life. You've got to make the choice to live and not die. Man, I wish I could preach that today. You've got to make a choice. I'm going to live and not die. Man, you never knew Cinderella was exciting as this. Truth number three. Are you ready? Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. When it even presents itself as an option. And sometimes it makes you feel like it's the only option. Don't take it. When it seems pointless, endless, impossible. Remember that God specializes in those areas. The areas of impossible is where God thrives. That's where God shows up and says, stand back and get ready. Have courage. Be kind. You've got to reprogram your mind because, listen to me, impossible has to have a no beside it now. Because with God, impossible is no. But you've also got to remind yourself this, difficult can still be a yes. Because there's still struggles, there's still hardships, and there's still trials. But we're going to reap if we don't lose heart. Galatians 6, 9, remember that? I know time is gone, but let me just talk about this, an example in our home quickly. We've been praying. There's been a need in our home. We've been praying and we've been really seeking God. And, and I know this is your experiences too. Many times it seems like the more you pray, the worse it gets. So what do you, what do you want to do? You, you turn around. Kelly and I had this conversation and Kelly said to me, she said, I, I'm just going to quit praying about it. And she didn't really mean that, but that was just the struggle of that moment that you're like, man, I just don't know what to do. And that's what the enemy wants to do. You've got to ask yourself this, why is there an attack? You've got to ask yourself, why does it appear that it's not working. You may say, well, it appears that it's not working. I want to tell you today, Jeremiah 3.3 tells us, call to me and I will answer you. So the problem is not that it's not working, that God's not hearing it, that God doesn't care. Cross that off because we know that he is. The reason why there's the struggle and the opposition many times is because the enemy is working and he wants to silence your prayer because if he stops your prayers from being prayed, your answers will never come. Don't give up. Don't quit. Here's the last one. It's got your name on it. It's mine. Come on, turn to your name and say, it's mine. It's mine. It's got my name on it. This is my story. I'm the star. It's time to take possession of what I was already promised you. Deuteronomy 1 verse 6. The Lord God spoke to us in Horeb saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. God's looking at the children of Israel and saying, see all the hardships and the problems? You're at the mountain for too long. Verse 8, see the land I have set before you. It's time to go in and possess the land which I have given to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that I have given to them as their descendants and them after them. That's you and I. It's a land that God has given us. But look at verse 2. Says it's an 11-day journey. Come on, that can discourage you at times, huh? It's an 11-day journey that's taken them 40 years and they're still not in it. 
I wonder how many of us feels like we're going on an 11 day journey and it feels like 40 years. But come on, what have we got to do? What have we got to do? We've got to realize the promise is ours. It's my promise. It's my promise. It's my promise. You've got to realize that God has placed you right where you're at for purpose. For purpose, for purpose. And it's time. It doesn't matter if you're an orphan. Hello, Cinderella. That's not the end of the story. We now know her as the queen. Come on, your story is not ended yet. Keep living out. Keep acting out. Have courage and be kind. Be courageous through the struggles. Be kind no matter what. Why? Because God has the best in store for your life. Have courage. Be kind. Would you stand to your feet all over this place today? Thank you, Jesus. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.